Hey everyone, Adam here with a special announcement. Starting this podcast meant swapping my technical blogging for podcasting. The small batches format forces me to iterate, focus, and distill my core point into a 5 or 10 minute episode. On the other hand, it's left me without an avenue to share deeper technical knowledge with you. Showing and discussing code just doesn't work on an audio podcast. This is why I'm stoked to announce my first technical writing in over three years on my new Substack, Software Kaizen. The first post is on using statistical process control with R and Datadog to find your SLOs. The post is loaded with the same theory you'll find in small batches with an added technical how-to. Moreover, I'm excited to say that friend of the show, John Willis, an author of the upcoming book on Deming, peer-reviewed this post. So if you want to get started with SPC and go deeper into the practices behind small batches, go to softwarekaizen.substack.com. That's softwarekaizen.substack.com. All right, back to small batches. Hello and welcome to Small Batches with me, Adam Hawkins. In each episode, I share a small batch of the theory and practices behind software delivery excellency. Topics include DevOps, Lean, continuous delivery, and conversations with industry leaders. Now, let's begin today's episode. I host an open office hours at work. It's for workstream synchronization and a forum to pick my brain. Most topics relate to ongoing project work. I do receive the occasional open-ended question on best practices. Last week, an engineer added a topic for how my team does estimates. Game on. I was happy to share my position. My position is simple. I and my team do not estimate individual tickets. Instead, I prefer batch size controls, strict work-in-progress limits, clear priorities, and continuously delivering value. Let me set the stage. The engineer works in a scrum team with some form of sprint planning and estimating. My team works differently. Let's begin with a mental model for sprints. A sprint is a time box. The aim is to deliver as much as possible inside that time box. A planning session uses priorities, backlog, sizing, and other factors to pull work into the sprint. The team commits to the work, and then off they go, locked into the planned deliverables. Just a quick sidebar here. I have much more on mental models in the previous podcast episode, with examples that will make sense later on. Okay, back to the main thread. Now, there is usually a diff between the espoused model versus the model in practice. My practical experience with sprints reduces down to a simple question. How many tickets can we pull into this sprint? The sprint is seen as a parking lot, and the team fits as many cars, trucks, vans, and semis into the lot as possible with just enough room to carefully maneuver each one in and out. The allure is that estimating work sizes it. Then we can pull as many different sized items as needed to load up the engineers with as many tickets that fit. This mental model creates the initial conditions for systemic problems that will impair delivery. Here's how. First, even in the best case, estimates are only accurate in a vacuum. The estimate loses accuracy the moment it's put to the test in a dynamic system of conflicting priorities, unplanned work, and varying levels of work in progress. 
actually doing that work happens in this dynamic system. Second, even in the best case, accurate estimates have no bearing on priority or business outcomes. Consider a high-profile product launch with queued-up marketing campaigns on a set date. Estimating a single ticket as a day, a week, one point, six points, or extra-large t-shirt means nothing regarding the outcome of making the launch date. A team can be 100% accurate in their estimates and completely miss the launch. Estimating cannot tell you how you will hit a launch date or what to trade off against it. Third, all forms of estimates ultimately reduce to time. Everyone in the value stream innately understands time, so everything filters through that lens. This creates the false assumption that providing team X with Y units of time leads to Z deliverable. It's a false assumption because estimates are static, but work happens in a dynamic system. Let's go deeper for a moment. There's something between the second problem of business outcomes and the third problem of time. Some listeners may think, but Adam, we use story points which measure difficulty. Okay, cool, but no one outside your team cares and management ultimately only understands time. Do you think that executives are planning on points or time? Others may be thinking, well, actually, we estimate in terms of business impact. Okay, cool, but as measured by what exactly? Is this consistent across varying work items? What's your percent CA on estimates? And how does these relate to organizational priorities? Oh, wow, so you can answer each of these. But how do you create the business impact? The estimate cannot tell you that. The how is where the value is. My point here is that estimates have nothing to do with delivering business outcomes over time. They're a lagging indicator at best when we have much better leading indicators. This brings me to my fourth point. Fourth, granular estimation encourages high work in progress. Work in progress is a leading indicator for delivery. Lower WIP is better. The more we can estimate, the easier it is to reach and exceed 100% utilization. This is when things fall over. It's plain textbook queuing theory. It typically goes like this. It's a two-week sprint in a team of three engineers. One engineer is assigned a two-week ticket, one is assigned two one-week tickets, and the third engineer is given 10 one-day tickets. Wonderful! All tickets are assigned and all engineers have tickets, sprint planning complete. Congratulations, the team has 100% utilization. Any change in the planned work or any amount of unplanned work will break the sprint. Oh, and there's no paraprogramming either. That's a whole other line of inquiry, though let's just say that atomizing tasks to engineers is ill-advised. Now fifth, even in the best case, estimates do not encourage swarming on priorities. Have you heard this before? We're fully loaded with tickets on priority one, but the tickets for priority two work are too big. So let's pull in some lower priority tickets instead. This has negative side effects. It creates more whip, confuses the priorities, creates neglected work when the high-priority work eventually interrupts and prevents the lower-priority work from finishing. And six, extremely large time estimates are commonly accepted. Teams may estimate a single item in months. 
Some orgs run this up the chain and decide to block out large chunks of calendar time, sometimes in quarters or even halves of a year for the work. This is a severe red flag for me. It tells me that the batch size is way too large and the time to value is way off. Personally, I don't trust anything over a week. There is too much uncertainty after a day, let alone a week. Anything longer is best expressed with the shrugging intensifies emoji. I could continue though, I think this is enough to make my point. This mental model creates the initial conditions for downstream problems. So what's the alternative? The alternative is pull-based work, batch size constraints, aggressive whip limits, and continuously delivering business value. Now I'm not opposed to estimates. The only estimate that matters to me is if work fits into a predetermined batch size for cadenced pull. My team's batch size is one week. If larger than that, then find a smaller batch that delivers something valuable. If that's not possible, then study the current condition until you can. Work doesn't move until then. Now notice what I did there. I took the estimating closer to whip. Bat size may be a proxy for whip. Controlling the bat size paired with aggressive whip controls keeps work moving. Remember, watch the work, not the people. Reducing and refining the batch sizes means it's easier and possible to establish standard work. Different work streams may be sorted accordingly with different batch sizes and capacity allocations. Then it becomes possible to continuously deliver business value in each batch, better yet if even earlier. This brings us closer to a stable pull-based work system. I'll close this episode with a quote from Dr. Deming's The New Economics that emphasizes what I'm after. The average and limits of variation are predictable, with a high degree of belief over the immediate future. Quality and quantity are predictable. Costs are predictable. Just in time begins to take on meaning. All right, that's all for this batch. Visit smallbatches.fm slash 96 for links on flow, estimates, and ways to support the show. I hope to have you back again for the next episode. So until then, happy shipping.